Good morning. How are you today? It's good to see you. Glad that you're here. We are going to begin a new series this morning. Obviously, hopefully goes along with something with the video we just watched. Uh, we're calling it The Vessel. And I hope that this series will be both a blessing and a challenge to each one of us. I'm going to uh, begin with a challenge this morning to us individually. It's going to be specifically uh, to us uh, just as one person. But then I'm going to move from that for the next few weeks to us as a corporate body or community as a church, a church body, and see what God has for us in those. See, God created us to have a relationship with Him, and in that relationship, He has certain expectations. And if you know anything about leadership, you have covered the law of expectation, and that is if, if I don't know what's expected of me, it's awfully hard or it's, it's very difficult for me to meet those expectations. But when the expectations are very, very clear, now it's on me whether I'm going to meet those or not. Our God has given us and has expectations for each one of us as his child, as a believer in Jesus Christ. And so uh, I want to walk through this series and lay out God's expectations for us individually and then corporately or, again, as a community of believers. Now, I'm going to compare this morning and begin it, uh, this series, liken it to the family because most of us have a family or we're in a family at one, one point in time. And the family unit is no different than what we're going to look at, and that is this, that the family is healthy. If the family is doing well, then the family wants to spend time together. The family enjoys being around each other. Uh, the family will, will uh, get together when they can. But all it takes is one member of that family to, to go a little sideways to upset the whole family. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen. Yes. And if, it, it, just, it takes just one, but if, if two or three in the family really get off track, you got a total mess, don't you? And see, a church is no different. We are a family, Faith Baptist Church family. And, and for the most part, if, if we are doing what God expects us to do, being who he expects us to be, then we're going to want to be together. We're going to want to uh, hang around each other. We're going to want to fulfill what he wants us to do in life. But if one or two or five or, or ten of us get off a little bit, it upsets the whole thing. Now, God did not, I want you to know, God did not put this on my heart because we have a problem here. Uh, he put this on my heart because as I look at myself and examine myself and ask God, where, where do you want us to go as a church? What do you want us to do as a church? Who do you want us to be as a church? We can never sit back and go, we're pretty good. Hey, we're doing well, right? That complacency will kill us. That complacency will not allow us to be who God wants us to be and who he expects us to be. So as a church, this is a challenge. Uh, we're doing great. Listen, it's an honor. It's a privilege. I am humbled uh, to be a pastor here at Faith Baptist Church. But I also know we are not exactly who God wants us to be right now. Can I get an amen? So this is more of a challenge of going from where we are to where God wants us to be, not to correct a lot of problems that are going on. At least I don't know of any. So I just want you to know that up front. Again, I've called this series The Vessel. One of the definitions of a vessel, and the one I'm going to be using throughout this series, is a hollow container. A vessel is a hollow container. Uh, a vessel is meant to hold something. So the main thought I want you to get is this. A vessel is created for a purpose, and if that vessel is not used for that purpose, then it's useless. 
A vessel is created for a purpose. Listen, it, it might be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. It might have the, the finest craftsmanship ever. But if it is not used for the purpose it was created for, what good is it? And that goes back to the expectations that God has for us as believers in Christ and as a church. Every person God has created, you and me and everyone he's created, we are unique in his creation. You watch that, that potter mold and shape, that clay. Every, he may, or they may do the best to, to make the same clay pot, but they're not exactly the same. They can't be. And you and I are not exactly the same, but there are some things that God has given us in common. Every one of us has these things in common. So write these down if you're taking notes, right? God has given every one of us a body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, the bodies may look different, and the souls may be a little different, and the spirits may be a little different, but he's given each one of us all three of those. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it'll be on the screen. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So God has given each one of us a body, a soul, and a spirit. The body houses the soul and the spirit. It's where the soul and spirit live. This, this thing that's gonna, that is wearing out and that is going to die one day, the soul and spirit are going to live on. But the body holds the soul and the spirit. The soul is the very essence of who we are in that our mind and emotions. Now, I know this can get difficult, but I, I, I just feel led to cover this at the beginning of the series. So the body holds the soul. The soul is our mind and our emotions. It's how we think. It's what we think. It's how we respond emotionally. It's who we are emotionally. Sometimes we'll make the comment that, that he has an old soul. Right? You ever heard that or said that? Or, or she has a young soul. What we're saying is who they are, the essence of who they are. So the body holds the soul, and then the body also holds the spirit. And the spirit is the deepest part of us that's able to connect with God. By our own, by our own spirit, God is revealed to us. We connect with him through our spirit. The, the Bible calls it this, being spiritually dead or spiritually alive. Right? It's our spirit that's quickened inside of us. When we realize we're a sinner and we accept Christ as Savior, we were, our spirit was dead spiritually, and now it's alive spiritually. Our spirit allows us to connect with God. So we are all vessels of body, soul, and spirit, and that's why it's so important that we present our vessels as a living sacrifice to be used for God's honor and God's glory. It's so important. 2 Timothy 2, again, it's going to be on your screen, says this, But in a, a great house there is not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, when I... I, I saw that scripture as I did the word study on vessels uh, for this series. Uh, that really stood out to me was that word dishonor. There are vessels for honor and dishonor. And when I, when I looked at that word, it doesn't mean what we think it means. It doesn't mean it's not honorable. What, what that word dishonor actually means is that the, the wood and the clay were for everyday use. The gold and silver vessels were saved for special use. It's kind of like the china in my house. How about you? 
I mean, we, we have some china in our house, and, and man, I'm telling you, like every now and then we might use the china. But it, it looks really nice, and it looks really good, but it's for special use. And so we, what Timothy's encouraging believers here, and God's having him encourage us, we are to be vessels of, of honor and dishonor, but we're to be vessels for everyday use for God, but also for very special use for God too. We, we should not be a church that sits back and doesn't do anything, doesn't allow our vessel to be used for God uh, because we're waiting for that very special thing he has for us. We shouldn't wait for that. We should be used every day as a vessel for God's honor and glory. And then also when those special times come up, man, we're in on those too. So when we understand that, that we are sinners and believe the message of Jesus as Savior, we already proclaimed that in the Lord's Supper and Communion today. When we believe that, we accept that, we, we hold on to that. The Bible tells us that we become the vessel of the Holy Spirit of God. God comes to live inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? As a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. He's in me, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So here's the question. All of that leading up to this. Here's the question, and I want you to answer this question to yourself. Do you want to be a vessel that is used for the honor and glory of God? If the answer is yes, we're going to examine if we're actually doing that or not. If the answer is no, I would ask you why not. And we'll cover that too. So pray with me, please. Father, we come before you again today and, and, and just we continue with that theme of examining ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and, and providing a sacrifice that we needed because we could not save ourselves from our sin. And, and a way and a means you gave us through the Lord's Supper communion to, to worship you and the body that was broken and the blood that was shed, the life that was given for our salvation. But God, once we have embraced that, believed in it, confessed with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believed in our heart that, that you raised him from the dead. God, you expect us to be a vessel to be used by you for your honor and for your glory. So I pray that not just today, but this series would challenge us, that we would examine where we are as a vessel for you, understanding and knowing that a vessel that's not created and fulfilling its purpose, it's not fulfilling its purpose, is useless. So God, speak to us, challenge us as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Do you want to be a vessel that is used for the honor and the glory of God? I remember as a, a teenager uh, coming to a church service like this and, and whoever was speaking and in the challenges that would come, I remember thinking in my mind, I don't want to be like everyone else. And by that, I meant living for pleasure, living for the world, just, you know, day to day getting by. I, and students, listen, you don't have to be like everybody else. And, and adults, uh, even today, I just think, man, I don't want to fit in in that way. I want to fit in living for God. Amen? 
I want to I wanna be a vessel that's used greatly for God. I don't want to look back at my life and think, man, if I would have, I could have, I might have made a big difference for God, but I was too selfish or too self-absorbed or caught up in whatever was, there was to be used by God. I, I don't want to look back. Now, do we all have regrets? Sure we do. But it's that expectation that God has for us to do our best for him to be who he wants us to be. 2 Corinthians 4 says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What treasure do we have in this earthen vessel? We have our soul and our spirit and the Holy Spirit of God to be who he wants us to be. So to to take a good look at both sides of this this morning, uh, of how we can be a vessel used by God and be a vessel that is not used by God, I want to take a look at the life of Samson. Samson was known as the strongest man in the Bible. He is known as that. Samson had some, some great strengths in his life, but he also had some very glaring weaknesses in his life. In his life, we see both the source of strength and the source of weakness. Samson was a vessel that was used greatly for God at times. And then he was also a vessel that was not used greatly for God in his life. So if you have your Bible, turn to Judges 14 with me this morning. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it because I encourage you to go home. Again, you've probably read it before, but read it again. Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. It's basically the life of Samson, the judge. And, and you'll get the whole picture. I don't have time this morning to read all those scriptures Uh, But we're going to start at 14 in just a minute. You see, physically, Samson was Rambo. Physically, Samson probably looked something like this. I don't know if he was that ripped. I don't know if that's exactly what he looked like. But Samson being the strongest man probably that ever lived, I mean, he looked something like that, right? He didn't look like me. He looked like something like that. And and so I look at that. but, But here's what I want you to get to. Samson was also very, very weak at times in his life, kind of like the guys in this video. To a place near you. Samson at times was just like that. He was one of the weakest people on the planet Earth. Samson sometimes allowed himself to be a vessel and used greatly by God, but then sometimes he was just like those guys. Now, I can sit and laugh at that, and it's a funny video, and it's kind of grainy because it was old, and we tried to do the best we could with it, but you get the point. But here's the problem. Sometimes I'm, I can be really strong in my walk with Christ and where I am. And sometimes I can't pop that balloon. How about you? Samson had everything available. I'm sure he had the talent, the looks, the ability. God had blessed him. 
He, he was chosen by God. He had early successes, but one day he lost it all. One day Samson became a broken vessel. He became a broken man. One day he woke up and all his strength was gone. And here, here it is. And listen to me. I don't want that to happen to us. I don't want anyone else in 2020 to wake up and give up. I don't want anyone else to wake up and wonder where your faith went in God, where your strength went in God. And that's happening a lot today in the times we're living in. What happened with Samson is he, he chose, he made some choices, he went against God's expectations for him, and he made some choices that weakened his vessel, that made it cracked, and he made some poor decisions in life. So the first thing I see in Samson's life that weakened his vessel was self-indulgence. Samson was a very self-indulgent person. Samson lived a very self-indulgent life. Listen, he was undisciplined. He lived only for his feelings, and his big weakness was women. There's an old saying out there, you know, some people live for wine, women, and song. Samson lived for women, women, and more women. That's what he did. In fact, if, if you read through Judges, uh, the, the chapters I gave you, in three different chapters, he got with three different women. That's what he did. He keeps running into relationships, running out of relationships, and running from relationships. The Bible tells us in, in chapter 14, in three verses, that he sees a, a woman named Delilah. <laughs> and he, he looked at her and he thought, woohoo, man, she looks good, right? She's hot. I want her. I mean, he, he probably was walking back up to his parents thinking, you know, what do I got to do to get her? She lights my fire. And all he did was see her. It doesn't even say she, he talked to her. So he goes back to his parents and he says, go get her for me. Go get that woman I saw. <laughs> and look at Judges 14 in verse 1. The scripture says, now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. And then his father and his mother said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all you people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. Now, I'm going to call a time out here, and I'm going to encourage you parents, be the parent. I read this story, and I see a son walking into the parents and saying, hey, mom, hey, dad, go do this for me. Go against God's will for me. Uh, go do this thing for me. And I think, where's the father and the mother? Where's the parenting in this passage to say, no, son, we're not doing that. God told you to take a wife from our people and, and not from the Philistines or any other people, just ours. And we're not going to do that. But Samson's statement there, he says, father, go do this for me. And his parents went and did it. So let me encourage you parents. You ready? You be the parent. Amen? One of our, well, one of our, our youngest daughter, not one of our youngest daughters. In high school, we had to tell her no. She would like some guys, and we'd think, mm-mm, uncircumcised Philistine right there, buddy. <laughs> no, you're not going to date him. You're not going to go out with him. Be the parent. But what we see here is that Samson saw something 
And he just went after it. The first thing that made Samson's life a, a weak vessel was he'd rather follow pleasure than principle. He'd rather follow pleasure than principle. When we make decisions based on convenience rather than conviction, we're not being a godly vessel. Samson saw something that looked good to him. He forgot what God said. He forgot God's expectations for him and who God wanted him to be, who God created him to be. He forgot all of that, and he went after the self-indulgence. Now, does that sound vaguely familiar of our culture today? Does it? Do we live in a culture that says, hey, if it feels good, do it. Right? Don't worry about the consequences. Do we live in a culture that, that says, whatever you feel like doing, you ought to do. You Listen, man, you owe it to yourself. You know? I love that commercial. I don't. I mean, I, I get it. Right? Obey your thirst. Right? Obey your thirst. That's what the commercial says. Self-indulgence weakens me, and it weakens the vessel God has given me. So we can overcome self-indulgence by disciplining our desires. By disciplining our desires. Desires are good. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a desire. But desires can lead us to sinful actions if they're not disciplined. The Bible says it like this in 1 Peter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. The same mind as, as who? As Christ. For he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Don't miss that last part. Don't live for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. What he's saying there is just because I want something doesn't mean I should have it. Just because I can afford it doesn't mean I should buy it. Just because it's pleasurable doesn't mean it's good. And just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that I have to do it. Self-indulgence weakens this vessel God has given us. We see it in the life of Samson. And the second thing I see in Samson's life that, that weakened him was resentment. Resentment will weaken us. We find it in chapter 15. Samson lived his entire life, I think. I read through these, and, and I, I was just looking at it, and, and it just stood out to me how angry a person Samson was, how, how, how discontent he was, how resentful he was towards especially the Philistines mainly. But, but he was just an angry guy most of the time when we see him in Scripture he, he felt misunderstood. He felt disappointed. He reacts violently to, to almost everything. His primary motivation in life was to get even with those who had done wrong to him. What a miserable life. Well, you can't be a vessel used by God with that kind of resentment. Judges 15, verse 3. Look over there with me. It says, And Samson said to them, This time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. Now, now get this. I love what he says there, right? Hey, this time, right? All the other times so far, I'm guilty. I, I did it. I'm guilty of it. Probably wasn't the right thing to do. This time, I shall be blameless because of what they've done to me, what the Philistines have done to me. Anyone, anyone here have the attitude? Be honest today. We're examining ourselves. Anyone here have the attitude that everybody's against you? 
You ever feel like that? You ever feel like the world's against you? Your friends are against you? Your family's against you? You ever feel that way? Feel like you're a victim? That's going to cause you to not grow. God does not expect us to live the life of victim. God expects us to live the life of a believer in Christ who's been set free. This resentment will weaken the vessel God has given us. If someone's hurt you and you're holding on to that, you've got to let it go. You need to let it go. It'll weaken this vessel. It'll create cracks in your vessel that, and lead to self-indulgence. And that self-indulgence leads to sin. Listen, if everybody's against you and nobody cares and nobody really cares what happens to you, then you can do whatever you want, live the way you want because there's no consequences to it. So this, this resentment, this victim mentality, this I, everybody's against me and I'm just gonna you know, be mean and ugly to everybody, that's a sinful way to live. Listen, a vessel that's not living and fulfilling its purpose is useless. And if we are not living and being who God wants us to be, we're useless to his cause. Samson lost his spiritual and physical strength, not just because of self-indulgent, because he couldn't let go of resentment. He couldn't let it go. When we strengthen our, our vessel, God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit living inside of us to forgive, to let things go, to rise above situations and handle them in a spiritual way, the way that God expects us to. But when we give in to selfish desires and hold on to resentment, man, we walk around as weak Christians, not used very greatly by God. And then the third thing I see in Judges 16 that caused Samson to be weak is his carelessness. Right? He was self-indulgent. He held on to resentment. And then Samson was so careless it weakened his vessel. See, Samson had amazing strength, no doubt about it. We see that in Scripture, the amazing things he did, and I don't have time to get into the things. I mean, he ripped the city gates off one time, threw them on his shoulder, and carried them up a hill. I mean, this guy was amazing. He had his strength was a gift from God, and it was a result of, of a commitment that he made to God. Samson had made what the Bible calls a Nazarite vow. And a Nazarite vow was a vow to live a, a holy life before God. Samson took the vow to live holy before God. And as a symbol of that vow, there were certain things that you could and could not do. Uh, there was a special diet that Nazarites had to eat and they could only eat. They couldn't eat certain things and they had to only eat uh, certain things. That was part of their commitment to remain holy before God was this special diet. They, they couldn't touch anything dead Right? They, they couldn't do that. They, they couldn't cut their hair. A Nazarite vow said it was an outward reminder of the vow they had taken, is that they couldn't cut their hair. Now, Samson's story, we know that God said your power comes through the length of your hair, but it wasn't the length of his hair. It was the Nazarite vow that he took. That's where the power of God came into Samson's life, was, was remaining holy and separated, sanctified, being a vessel to be used by God for, for God's purpose for Samson. And that's what happened. I, I remember several years ago, my son was attending Dallas Baptist University. And, and you know, we'd, we'd visit with him and talk with him. And Jill and I would see him, and, and his hair kept growing. And he had never had long hair in his life. And, you know, we'd think, okay, it's that, that age, right? Going through, that's just, I'm going to grow my hair out while I can. <laughs> Amen. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different. I'm going to. We just took it as that. But about six months down the road, I asked him, I said, why are you growing your hair out? I just, I don't care. 
much, but why, why, why are you growing your hair out? And he told me. He said, Dad, I had to write a paper in one of my theology classes. It was on the Nazarite vow. And he said it intrigued me so much, and God challenged me that I took that vow. He said, I told God for one year I would live by the Nazarite vow. Now, you want to you talk about being humbled by one of your kids, you know? And I thought, man, that's awesome. He's, he's setting himself apart to be used greatly by God. God put it on his heart, not mine, <laughs> to take the Nazarite vow, and he did it, and he was following it. Now, what was funny was this. He didn't tell anybody else that. He, he didn't want to brag about it. He didn't want man's applause for it. He just, he just took that, and for that year, he followed that vow. He, he followed the diet. He, he would joke with Jill. <laughs> He'd say, no, Mom, you know, if you die, I can't come to the funeral, you know? She said, say, Hunter, you're coming to my funeral. And he's like, nope, can't do it. Not breaking my vow. Our oldest daughter had her wedding during that time. And she said, Hunter, you will cut your hair for the pictures. And she said, he said, no, I won't. And she, she understood. We are just giving him a hard time. It was, I will tell you this. It was funny, right? We were at a restaurant one time, and, or they were. They told me about it. I wasn't up in Dallas at the time. But the waitress was going around the table taking drink orders. And she was standing behind him. And she said, ma'am, what will you have to drink? It was also funny. Women came up to him and said, oh my gosh, I love your hair. And then there was a generation gap. Guys about my age and older would come by and say, well, they don't make barbershops in Texas, huh? They don't, and, you know. and guys younger than us, oh man, nice hair. Man, that's, I wish I could do that. It was funny to watch the response. But I say all that for this. Samson was careless with his vow. He made a vow, but he didn't keep it. He continually compromised his commitment out of convenience. He toyed with temptation. His attitude was not, how close can I get to God? His attitude was, how close can I live to sin and not sin? And so many believers in Christ have that same attitude. How close can I live to the world and like the world and in the world without really being you know, too sinful to God? In chapter 16, we have the story of Delilah. Delilah is hired by Samson's enemies. They wanted to know where his strength came from. Delilah uh, asked him, and, and you've got to read the story. Again, I don't have time for the whole story, but, but you know, he tells her, he, he, he messes with her, he teases her. He says, if you bind me with new rope, uh, I'll lose my strength. And, and so while he's asleep, they bind him with new rope. They call the Philistines in. He breaks the ropes, and he wipes out the Philistines. And so the next day, she goes, why are you doing this to me? Why do you have your strength? And he lies to her again about something, and they, do it. they keep doing this thing. Right, But finally, Delilah wears him down. How close can I play with the fire without sinning against God? And look at Judges 16, verse 15. Then she said to him, How can you say to me, I love you, when your heart is not with me? Can you hear? Can you see her pity? You know, poor little old Delilah. They're going to pay me a lot of money to poke your eyes out, and you won't tell me where your strength is coming from? Don't you love me, Samson? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass, when she pestered him daily with the, her words and pressed him, 
so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Samson gave in, and the vessel that God had given him became very weak. See, you're only as strong as what you're committed to. When he broke the commitment to God's vow, the vow he made with God, he became very weak. We are only as strong as what we're committed to. See, a vessel is created for a purpose, and if that purpose or that vessel is not used for that purpose, it's useless. It's useless. Okay, quickly. Right? We see self-indulgence, right? resentment, and carelessness weakened Samson's vessel to where God couldn't even use him. So what, what do we do? How do we make sure our vessel is strong? Three things real quick this morning. How do I be spiritually strong? Get time with God every day. Now don't miss that. Say it in your head. Get time with God every day. This goes back to last week's sermon. Get time with God every day. If you're not doing that, you're not growing spiritually. And if you're not doing that, you're getting weaker, not stronger. You're not, you're not strengthening the vessel of God. The vessel of God is becoming weaker. If you're not spending time with God every day. What's the result of spending time with God? Jesus said in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. We will be a vessel greatly used by God when we spend time with him every day. Did you spend time with God every day this past week? Second thing, get together with believers every week. Now, these aren't rocket science. I understand that. Most of y'all were sitting there waiting for some really deep thoughts from Robbie Ballou. This is not happening. Because these are foundational truths from the Word of God that are, they're timeless, they're tried, and they're true. Get time with God every day and get together with believers every week. Worship services, small groups on Wednesdays, community groups, discipleship groups are just some of the ways that we provide to get together with other believers to strengthen each other. To strengthen these vessels that God has given us. God said in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. We need a group of believers that we meet with, with weekly. Now listen, it should be priority. I covered this last week. It should be priority. It should be top of the list, not fourth on the list, of getting together with like-minded believers to worship God and build relationships. And we'll get into that later in this series. We need a daily time with God, and we need a weekly team for God. We need to get together to strengthen ourselves and strengthen these vessels God has given us. And then lastly, this one you wouldn't have guessed. You ready? Give your tithe to God. A little curveball there. Give your tithe to God. Tithing is the habit of returning the first 10% of my income back to God. Listen, Jill and I, since she was a little girl and since I became a believer and then after we were married, we have always, always honored God with the tithe first fruits off the top and then from there gave to missions, gave to buildings or, or God put some other offering on our heart to give to it. But it's always come first because here's why. It's a symbol of where God is in our life. 
It's one of them. It's not about the money. It's all about the obedience to God. It's all about the surrender to God. It's all about being a vessel to be used by God. God has blessed me. God has given me things to flow through me to be a blessing somewhere else. And that includes our money. See, here's the promise of God on tithing. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now get that, all of them, not 5%, not 2%, not every now and then. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And he says, here's what I'll do. See if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There will not be room enough for you to receive it. See, I need to spend time with God daily. I need to meet weekly with God's team, with God's other believers, with God's church, family. I need that in my life. You need that in your life to be who God wants us to be. And get this. We need to surrender. And one of the signs of total surrender to God, of, of, of being totally committed, unlike Samson, being totally committed to God, money is such an issue. It's to just say, God, here it is. I trust you. I'll be obedient to you. I surrender to your will. Here's my tithe. Here it is. See, we will not be the vessel fully used by God till we're fully surrendered to God. So are you being tempted by self-indulgence? Is there resentment in your life? Are you being careless with your relationship with God? God wants you to strengthen your vessel. How do you do it? Time with him week, daily. Time like this weekly. And then honoring him with what's his already. Bow your head with me, please. A vessel is created for a purpose. And if that vessel is not fulfilling its purpose, it's useless. How's your commitment to God today? I didn't ask how your commitment to your husband or your wife or your family or your job or that hobby that you love. I asked you, how is your commitment to God? And the way to examine that is to ask what came in front of my quiet time with God? What comes in front on a regular basis of my time with God's people weekly? What comes in front of honoring God with the tithe? God, we come as your people today. Asking you to speak to us. Challenge us, God. Don't let us be complacent. Don't let us think we're better than most. Don't let our standard be any other church or any other believers or anybody else. Let our standard be your expectations for us from the Word of God. That you want to use us individually. You want to use us as families. You want to use us, Father, as a church to make a powerful, powerful impact as vessels for you for your honor and your glory alone. So God, we're going to give an invitation, and that's the invite to recommit ourselves, just to, to push the, the reset button, to come down to an altar after having observed communion and examining ourselves and recognizing who Christ is and what he did for us, and then hearing this challenge, and, 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 and there's some good things in Samson's lives, but some things we can learn from, to get on our knees before you, 
and just recommit ourselves to you to be a vessel of honor to your cause and your honor and your glory. So God bless this invitation as only you can. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please? Josh is going to play for us. If you feel the need, you want to come, whether you want to sit down where you are or you want to come down to an altar, I ask you, I beg you to do this. Recommit yourself today as a vessel to be used for God.